Who do you want to be? Icon, 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 icon. Stop. An iconoclast. Shifting reality. Shaping it into something bigger. Innovating. Breaking the rules. Oh, I dare you. I dare you to increase the standard. To wear the badge of excellency. To operate past the ceiling of potential. And if you choose to be anyone, choose to be iconoclast. Because this, this is a place where we build you so that you can build the world. A place that is tailored for icons. Welcome to Iconoclast. Sending shoutouts with shoutouts of you. My name is Chidi Amadi Ahaneku, the head of the Amadi Ahaneku clan. And this, this is Iconoclast, the podcast that is tailored for icons. Welcome to episode three of season three of the podcast. I just like how that sounds. I like how that sounds. I have to say I'm quite happy to be here. For many reasons, but mostly because the past week has been so demanding of me. I've had to wake up at 4am every day, which has now turned to 2am every day because of all the workload that I have to cover. Then you also have consultations, mentorship, just trying to stay afloat really and closing deals as well. So this time that I have to record is one of the few moments where I can actually just sit down and relax and just get to express how I feel, express what's happening in this head because I don't get the chance a lot. So I'm very grateful of having to sit down and being able to speak and being able to share my ideas, share these philosophies and just get to actually think, you know. So... This week, what I want us to talk about is very interesting. In fact, I think it has to be one of the most interesting podcasts I have, or not really podcast episodes, but one of the most interesting research processes that I went through, right? I won't tell you about it. (laughs) But yeah, so this week I am writing a book. Well, I am writing a book, but this week the chapter that I'm focusing on is titled struggle and sacrifice. So while I'm doing my research on struggle and sacrifice, I bump into such a interesting story. A story that is of Greek origin and it was used by a philosopher called Albert Camus. He used the story to help us understand the absurdity of life. And the story goes as follows. There was a man. He was a very great man. And he was the king of the place we now call Corinth. His name was Sisyphus. So Sisyphus had a desire. His desire was to make sure that the world understood that he, he was a powerful king. He wanted the world to know that, that he was ruthless. He wanted the world to know that he was not to be messed with. So what Sisyphus did 
was violated. He violated one of the most sacred rules to Zeus, the Lord of Thunder. And this rule was to take care of all the individuals that passed by his country. However, Sisyphus intended to prove his, his sovereignty. So what he did was made sure that they were killed. He ordered that each and every passenger that passed was killed. And that's one version of the story. And the second version is as follows. When Sisyphus was reaching his last days, he sat his wife down and he told her in detail how he wants to be treated when he died. He elaborated, told her about where to put his body, not to bury him, but instead to take his body and put it in the middle of the city, in the middle of his city, as the king. Time went by and Sisyphus died. When he got to the underworld and met the god of the underworld, Hades, in some way, in some way that is not explained to us, he convinced Hades to let him go. Go back to life and go torture his wife for not listening, for not understanding, for not following his instructions to the T. For some reason, Hades allowed him to go back out, to come back to life and to torture his wife and he did. The deal with Hades was that after he goes into the world and do what he was so determined to do, he was supposed to come back to the underworld and spend eternity as should. But he didn't. Sisyphus decided that he will not go back to the underworld. He will break the deal he had with Hades. There are various versions of the story that exist Many that tell us the story of why Sisyphus was such a bad man. But he is not recognized for the things he did when he was alive. He is recognized for the things that happened at his death. At his death, after refusing to go to Hades, go back to Hades, what happened was that the gods decided that no, Sisyphus, Sisyphus must be punished. So the gods came together to try and understand how do we punish a person who will live forever in the underworld? How do we punish an immortal? He is not mortal so we cannot put him to death. He cannot suffer the punishment of death. So how do we punish him? And the gods came up with such a brilliant plan. They cursed Sisyphus. Told him that for eternity he will push a rock, a boulder up the hill. And when it gets to the top of the hill what will happen is that it will roll back down. It will roll back down. And he will do that. A futile punishment, absurd to the human mind, but what he was to suffer was the tragedy 
of absurdity. That he was going to spend eternity doing a meaningless task, taking the boulder up the rock and having it roll back down, only to do the very same thing every single day. Every single moment dedicated to this futile, this mundane task. And that was his punishment. So when I was reading the story, very interesting story, it captivated me. But what captivated me more was the reason Camus was using it. Camus believed, with influence of various existentialists, especially Friedrich Nietzsche, that life is essentially meaningless. Even though human beings try to give it meaning through things such as order and law, essentially and inherently it remains meaningless. He likens us to Sisyphus, saying that we and in our lives are individuals who are just doing the same things. We are pushing the rock up the hill only for it to roll back down. He says that we are born, we grow, we wake up and we work only to have our fate be death. We push the rock up only for it to come back down. He believes that if that is what life essentially is, then life is ergo absurd. What is absurdity? Absurdity is the futility of searching for meaning in a world that has no meaning or where the meaning of the world is inherently incomprehensible. That is what absurdity is. I'm sure we could all come to the conclusion that what Sisyphus is going through is actually quite horrible. A tragedy. A definite tragedy. Right? And we cannot possibly, in any way whatsoever, within this punishment, to even be happy or even think of happiness. Because who, who wants to do this? Imagine... Imagine having to take each and every day of your life, pushing a boulder up and having it come back down and there is no safety net of death. He is hurt, he gets healed and he has to push it up, but he still doesn't die. Imagine how gruesome an experience that is. So we cannot expect him to, to think about happiness. Camus then sets down the premise that when Sisyphus is at the top of the hill, when he is at the point where the boulder is rolling back down, where he's free from labor, that is when he is most aware. And he's aware of two things. Firstly, he's aware of the futility of the mundane task that he has to do. But he's also conscious of the futility of his fate. He understands that even at this place where he is free of labor, he still has to go back down and push it up. It is in this awareness that Camus suggests that Sisyphus can actually start to even comprehend happiness. 
He contends that if Sisyphus accepts his fate and accepts that these are the cards that he has dealt with, then only then can he possibly find happiness. So when we accept that there is no preferable alternative than what we have, only then can we start comprehending the concept of happiness. I have been struggling with this for a very long time. And in turn, I have not been, I guess, exposed to the concept of happiness because in my pursuit of better, I've always failed to accept my present, my current situation. Because we all have circumstances and the problem that I was trying to to, to solve was how do I get better? Was not how things today were better than they were yesterday. Better to me was what is someone else's today looking like? And that is my better. And how worse or what is the space between my current present and their current better? And there I failed to find happiness. When I was reading an article about this story, this person said that Sisyphus can only be punished if he starts to think of a better life. That if he accepts where he is and accepts the futility of what he's doing, he can possibly find happiness. But if he starts to hope for better and better being something someone else is experiencing, then that decreases the value of his current experience. We can only fully comprehend the beauty of life when we start to accept our current positions. When we start to accept our current states. Jordan Peterson says that the greatest person to compare yourself to is you yesterday. Because you know nothing of the struggles of the people you compare yourselves to. Think about it. The person you might be comparing yourself to, the better you might be comparing yourself to, might not be as good as you think. That person must be, might be going through the worst times of their lives and just in that area, they are better. And you base your entire existence on just that one thing going right for him that you forget every other good thing. So what the brain does is that it chooses one area of your life. And it most definitely is going to be an area of your life that is not going as well as you'd want it to go. And then what it does is that it forgets, it cuts out each and every other part of your life that is going well and uses this one area of your life, compares it to another person who is at a different place in their life but has the same area that is better than yours and then starts to compare these two areas outside of any other factor, outside of any other factor. And shows you how you are not doing enough. That is what the brain does. And only then, only then do you see how, how flawed you are. 
Only then do you see how you are, how much you need. It's only then when you see how painful your punishment is if you start to hope for someone else's better. Sisyphus' punishment is only horrible if he can hope or dream for something better. If he can start to think about his life, how his actual life was, and how he could have treasured it, or how someone else's life is, that someone else gets to live a life where he doesn't have to push a boulder up. When he thinks of that, that's the only time that he faces utmost pain. What I get from this is that the value of our experiences is determined by us and us alone. The value of how good we are or the value that we put to the paths we chart are determined by us and us alone. We all have our own paths. We all are moving in our own lane. Now, I know I've been speaking about happiness, but happiness is not the point of this podcast. What the point of this podcast is that only if you start comparing yourself to someone else, do you see how badly you're doing? How about we start comparing ourselves to who we were yesterday? How we can be better. How we can be content with the fact that at least I improved 1%. But the point is that I improved. That we accept that our lives are our lives alone. And we don't have to compare to anyone else's. We all have our circumstances. We all have our problems And we never even understand the problems of the people we compare ourselves to. Imagine if we could see our lives for what they are. That when we push our rocks, we can imagine them to be the most beautiful things ever. What's interesting is that when Camus ends his writing, he ends it with the phrase, we must imagine Camus as happy. We must imagine Camus is happy. Because at some point, only when Camus starts to accept his fate, accept his current circumstance, can he be happy. It is only when we accept that even though we improved by 1%, the point is that we improved. Only then, when we understand this, When we get to a point where we do what we must with everything that we have without comparing ourselves to anyone else, only then will we understand that pushing our rock will mediate the struggles of living by substituting it with the fulfillment of living well. We have to understand that it is essentially an all-in game. It ends with your death. So why don't you push that rock as well as you can? If those are the cards that you're dealt with, then why don't you ensure that you live a life to your fullest? A life where you accept it with no reservations, where you don't compare yourself to anyone else's life. Only then can we contribute to the world.
where we triumph the futility of our existence to the point where we can make another person's existence better, that happens only when we stop looking at other people's lives, but looking at our own and doing it well. My mother says that every reason you have is valid, but be careful not to be a prisoner to your excuses. Many people will make other people's better an excuse not to push their rock. Then pushing the rock instead of becoming a fulfilling, beautiful experience, it becomes punishment. They stop doing it well and they just struggle to take it up. And when it comes back down, they're not aware of, of their fate. They're not aware of the futility of it. What they're aware of is someone else's better. And then they're left unfulfilled. You know, what I've realized in my research for my book and this chapter is that human beings, at their most basic sense, want to just do nothing, sleep procreate, drink, and repeat. In our basic sense, that's what humans want to do. To do nothing else but to be subjects to our hedonistic desires. That's all we want in our basic sense. But sometimes there comes a few, a couple of people who Steve Jobs would consider crazy enough to think they can change the world. And they leave their comfortability and go into the forest. They go and seek adventure. And what I've realized is that usually they think that seeking adventure is a personal decision. They think that it's about them. It's selfish. But if you, if you study most of the individuals that have left their comfortability and searched for something bigger, you start to realize that ultimately their goal has always been changing the world, the betterment of a community, whether it's the betterment of their families, whether it's the betterment of the, the world in general, or just their town, their city, their country, a community. And whatever construct, their aim has always been contributing to the community. Now, the misconception that has come is that the reward of that is fulfillment. That is not the reward of it. The reward of going out into the world, away from your comforts, going into the forest, going into the adventure, is the betterment of the community. And what keeps you going, what keeps you pushing, is fulfillment. Fulfillment is not the reward. You don't do that so that you can feel fulfilled. No, you do that because the reward is the betterment of society. Fulfillment just acts as the sustaining factor to your pursuits. That's what fulfillment becomes. And when you push your rock up the hill, the point is to make someone's life better, to make someone else's existence better. And that's the reward. But what keeps you going is the fulfillment. So the more you 
refrain from looking at other people and what they're doing. And the more you look at yourself and what you are doing, only then can you start to be pushed by this mechanism of fulfillment. Only then can you be the most beneficial and most effective to your purpose. As I said, this podcast is not only about showing you where your happiness is. This podcast is essentially about reminding you that you have a path to chart. And that path is unlike any other. So stop looking outside to find out what your better is. When your better is you today. Because you pushed to be better than yesterday. And that... That is our podcast for this week. I hope that you enjoy your week, that you enjoy your life, and that you look at your rock as you push it up and watch it roll back down. I hope you see the beauty in the present that you are in, the beauty in the moment that you are in. And I hope that you celebrate that at all times. As they say in my Igbo language, Dadu, thank you. <laughs>